Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. We are a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D. Mindy here, joined by someone who likes to send me pictures of his TGFBI team every other day. It's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? The only reason I keep sending you those pictures is because I keep going up in the standings and it's good luck. Why stop a good thing? I figured you're not one of those people that believes in like the good luck, bad luck types of things. You always tell me I'm too, I'm too superstitious, but it sounds like that you're going down that path. I mean, if I have to be superstitious for this occasion, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I mean, you fair. you've risen up. What are you like 33rd now? Uh, I was, yeah, to like 254 a month ago. And then because of Kyle Schwarber, I'm at the 33. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's been a good rise. You're in the top. I mean, regardless of how you finish, you can say at the halfway point of the season that you were in the top 50, which is pretty cool to say, considering it's what, like 429 people or something like that. So, I'm going for number one, baby. It's a lofty goal. I'm still, I'm still in the top 100. I know we all agreed that our first year, we all wanted to be in the top 100. I'm like 93rd. I was as high as I think like 44 at one point. Ch- uh, Cheesecake is, I think he, I looked today, he's like 163. You're obviously wow. like, <laughs> so, I mean, still in the top half, but uh, so that other half of the season to go, it's going to be fun to see how that plays out. Uh, how's the living situation coming outside of what you told me pre-show? You know what? I uh, actually don't have to podcast in the dark tonight, so that's a win. There we go. You're not in a uh, hall closet like you were the other day. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking baby steps. (laughs) I like it. Well, we've got a lot of fun stuff planned today because on the show today, we are talking about Fantasy Baseball 101, a.k.a. what we've learned in the 2021 season. Dramatic pause for you. We've seen injuries at an all-time high, substance abuse scandals taking precedence over gameplay, a player pitching to a sub-3 ERA, at least until his last start, and leading the league in home runs at the same time. It's been absolutely crazy, to say the least. Uh, so we're going to, now that we're about at the halfway point of the season, take a look back at this first half and figure out what lessons have we learned so far for next year. This could be how you'll draft, trends you're going to be looking into more, players that have proved uh, something to you, or maybe in a case you don't want to draft. All that good stuff coming right after the intro. We're going to be doing that with the man that is George Montanez. He is a uh, big friend of uh, fantasy baseball space. That's not even English. He's a good guy regardless. <laughs> and uh, pumped to have him on tonight. Make sure to stay tuned for that. I sound like you trying to talk because you don't speak English very well. I'm sorry I have a master's and you don't. What does it have to do with speaking English? I'm more educated than you. Your comebacks are really bad. You got to work on that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which current player would you like to be an analyst when they retire and our game of the week coming in to shut the door? So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, look at me. Then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it. Yeah. I got two trigger happy and hit the button while I was screaming. Sloppy. All right, so we've got a lot of news to break down. So we're going to start from the most recent news that's come out and kind of go down to last week's recording. Colin Moran was placed on the injured list with a wrist fracture. 
Uh, this was after he was hit or struck by Kyle Freeland on a pitch on Monday. Going on the 10-day IL will be out for a little while. Doc, did you know Natali Felice was back in the league? Yeah, I saw it circulating on Twitter the other day. Good for him. Yeah, well, he already got designated for assignment. <laughs> ah, it's like the Keston Hira experiment. He's just going up and down. I, I don't know who will be picked up, but he hadn't pitched in a few years. Brendan Kinsler is going to be reinstated, uh, which I didn't even know he was on the Phillies either, to be honest with you. But uh, Felice was, it was very short-lived. Very happy to at least see him still pitching somewhat. There was a trade. The Diamondbacks traded Tim LaCastro to the Yankees. LaCastro is one of the fastest players in the majors and gives the Yankees another outfield option. Even though he's in the midst of a rough year at the plate, he did have a 290 average in 2020, but he is hitting 178 so far in 2021. Should give them, again, some more depth that they'll have for their roster, some more speed, especially with Aaron Hicks out for the year. And Clint Frazier, who had just left a game recently this week because he had experiencing dizziness. So we'll see how that works out for them. Doc, do you like Tim LaCastro? Ah, never again. Spent a lot of fab on him. <laughs> That's why I asked. Uh, maybe there's still That's some the value. Same way you feel about Jacoby Jones. <laughs> that was last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, Matt Shoemaker, the former Blue Jay, who is now a twin, was designated for assignment. He did look great. In his little time last year before he missed the rest of the season, he only had one quality start, and then he's pitched to an 806 ERA ever since. So, so long for right now. We are also looking into some more news as, first, uh, excuse me, the Blue Jays, speaking of the Blue Jays, are interested in Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates. He would be another upgrade to that struggling bullpen. Adam Simber was acquired, which we'll get to him shortly. But the Blue Jays are looking to construct that bullpen. I would not be shocked to see a trade for him go down sometime soon. Jose Urquidy, Urquidy, I always don't ever say his name. Urquidy, there we go. I think it's Urquidy. There, yep, yep. Or Jose Urquidy uh, is going to go on the 10-day IL with right shoulder discomfort. It's been kind of a, uh, this was something that he actually lasted about one and one-thirds innings in his start most recently, and then left and it became a bullpen game in the loss to the Orioles. This is something that right now doesn't look like to be a huge deal. Since as they say it's just discomfort right now, he is said to undergo an MRI and there hasn't been any news since. Christian Javier could step into the bullpen. They had been doing a six-man rotation prior. So if you have Christian Javier as a free agent in your league, he would be a good pickup right now who uh, looks like he could potentially start or maybe they'll keep him as a piggyback role. We'll have to keep an eye on that. The Nationals, Trey Turner celebrated his 28th birthday in style as he tied the major league record with his third career cycle. He tied Adrian Beltre, Babe Herman, Bob Musel, and Long John Riley as the only players since 1890 with three cycles on their resume. He did jam his left middle finger while slotting into third for the triple, and he's going to be day-to-day. He's been having a great year at the plate. Doc, do you have any Trey Turner shares this year? I don't. I didn't have a high enough draft position to get him besides the one league I got number one overall and took to Grom. He's having a better year than I thought he would. He's one of the few five-tool players that are in the league. There's probably less than 10 of them. And he's, with the power that he's recently showed the last two years, he's now in that category. So he's hopefully won't miss too much time. Soto also left that game, but he's day-to-day as well, so we'll keep an eye on that. Padres placed Blake Snell on the 10-day IL with uh, illness. Apparently, non-COVID related illness. He got his vaccine. Yeah, he's fully vaccinated. Yeah, they said he tested negative for COVID. So, I don't know. He missed his start. Obviously, was supposed to be on Tuesday. Ryan Weathers was uh, called up to pitch. I believe he's pitching today, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, hopefully, it's only going to be one missed start from him. So, we'll have to see how that plays out. Doc, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the, the biggest news probably since we last recorded. Dodgers star Trevor Bowers being investigated by the Pasadena Police Department after a woman accused him of assault, reporting uh, TMC Sports reported on that. The alleged victim was granted a temporary domestic violence restraining order. Uh, I'm not going to go into everything that's been said and back and forth, um, but it was a consensual rough sexual encounter. Apparently, text messages have been shared. And right now, I I think everybody's wondering what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer. He's supposed to make his next start on Sunday. Doc, what do you make of everything we've seen going on with this so far? So obviously the phrase innocent till proven guilty is what we live by in this country. But I think given Trevor Bauer's history, like he's cyber bullied people. He's had like assault charges or 
this isn't the first that he's been in hot water with women. And obviously this is a, a new scenario. We have to wait till the facts come out. It certainly doesn't look good for him. The big thing that really surprised me is I can't believe the Dodgers are having him go out Sunday. Like I understand he is your prized free agent. You signed him to a three-year, $102 million contract. That doesn't look good for the organization. The Dodgers don't need him out there. They're going to make the playoffs. Wait till the investigation is over. Dave Roberts said, the MLB said what they're handling and it's out of our hands. Well, it is in your hands to decide if Trevor Bauer is starting. And I can't imagine anybody is supporting this. I've even seen Dodgers fans on Twitter come out and say, I'm not supporting the team anymore. I can't believe that they would allow that to do this. And once again, just kind of shows that if you're talented, that it'll buy you a little bit of immunity. Yeah, I do agree with the first part you said about innocent until proven guilty. If if he is found guilty of this, I would be shocked if any team is looking to entertain having him on the roster because the stuff that's listed there is pretty bad That without going into explicit details. So um, keep an eye on that. Um, obviously, the fantasy stuff is secondary to the real life stuff that apparently is going on, but uh, we won't know probably for a little bit. So keep an eye on that. The first deal of the summer actually happened a few days prior to the Tim LaCastro deal. It was right-handed reliever Adam Simber and left-handed outfielder Corey Dickerson, who's currently on the IL, going to the Blue Jays for infielder Joe Panic and writer, minor league righty Andrew Valley. For the Blue Jays, Dickerson figures to go into a part-time outfield role, as obviously they already have a bunch of outfielders that are already getting a ton of playing time with Lourdes Gurriel Jr., George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, and Randall Gritchick. Simber is expected to be a key piece in that bullpen, who in 34 and a third innings so far this year has a 288 ERA and should be just, again, some good depth in that bullpen. Doc, I'm interested to also hear your thoughts on this. Major League Baseball announcing on Tuesday that Mariners lefty Hector Santiago, who I didn't realize was still in the league, had been suspended 10 games and fined an undisclosed amount for the foreign substance he possessed in his glove in the fifth inning against the White Sox. He's appealing the decision. The funny part is the league did not further investigate or inspect his glove. The ejection and suspension are based solely on the umpire's discretion. So basically, this is a surprising development that I could sure have the players union pushing back on this. And I think they're just trying to pick on somebody that doesn't that no one cares about just to make an example of him. But I don't necessarily believe in doing that because uh, if other guys are doing this, why are you picking on uh, a lesser known player? Like if you're going to do this, do this for everybody. I think it was kind of weird that they're going to all of a sudden act hard for one player when the bigger names are literally getting a pass every single week. What did you make of that? Well, I stopped taking the MLB seriously when they checked a position player for uh, substance. It's like you're already losing the game. You're putting in a position player to pitch. Why do you care if he has a, a substance, even if he did? I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna do it for a star player. You know, they'll check everyone, and even if they did have something, maybe they'll eject them. I think it's suspending a, a lower name player to set a precedent, so that if somebody like a Max Scherzer or you know a, a Garrett Cole gets caught with it, they say, "Well, we had already suspended someone. We let you know how it was going to be." But yeah, I, I don't understand that. It's I don't know. MLB is just very reactive instead of proactive, but. It's run by a great commissioner. <laughs> the Astros had been rather vague with their timeline for Alex Bregman from the turn from the IL, but manager Dusty, Beak, <laughs> Dusty, Beaker, Dusty Baker said an appearance on Sports Talk 790 earlier this week. He doesn't expect Bragg, Bregman back for at least a month. So I wouldn't expect him back maybe till sometime at the end of July or beginning of August, the way it sounds right now. The Indians are signing Zach Godley to a minor league contract. He was a one-time solid mid-rotation arm for the D-backs, but he hasn't had much success over the last three years. But the Indians definitely have needed the depth as Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak, Aaron Savali are all on the IL right now. They have Cal Quantrill, Sam Hedges, Eli Morgan, JC Mejia, and Logan Allen right now kind of fighting for some rotation spots. So I'm not surprising to see this move. Speaking of the Diamondbacks, they announced that center fielder Cattell Marte is going back on the 10-day IL retroactive to June 27th with a left hamstring strain. It's been very tough for Marte owners, myself included. When he's been healthy, he's had his 370, 419, 556 slash line through 148 plate appearances. I'm very concerned with another hamstring injury and them being out of contention if they're going to rush him back. So 
Um, it's very rough with at least with the production he's had. It's been so tempting to want to just keep him in your lineup, but obviously with the injuries, it's just been really hard to watch him on your bench for the, all this time. Uh, lastly, let it go, David. <laughs> Get it all out. The Braves right-hander Mike Soroka is going to undergo surgery to fix a torn Achilles tendon, the same Achilles tendon he was trying to come back from before. Uh, it's the second uh, season-ending Achilles procedure in as many years for Soroka. It's a, a complete retear, and it was just happened while he was just walking in the clubhouse on Thursday. He's 23 years old. He was a breakout star in the 2019 season when he posted a 2.68 ERA, a 20.3% strikeout percentage, and a 51.2 ground ball rate over 174 and two-thirds innings. He was second of in NL Rookie of the Year voting and sixth in Cy Young Award voting that year. Um, what I found very interesting is just listening to some other podcasts. No one could find an example of any athlete in any sport that's come back from two Achilles tears in the same uh, in the same same side, I should say, the same leg. Uh, you have guys that have had two Achilles tears, but they're in different legs. So uh, it's very, you have to question, I mean, he's young, but I think it's kind of telling knowing that no athletes ever come back. Luckily, he's not a high impact sport. It's not like basketball or football. There's a lot of jumping and cutting, but I am very sad for what could potentially be his future. Hopefully he's able to come back and be what he saw in his rookie season. But a lot of bad news, but there's always good news. Like doc is moving into a new apartment in a few weeks. So if you like hearing good news like that, Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football and basketball show you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, make sure you hook the boys up with a five-star rating and review to support the show. Make sure you check us out on all our social media at Trip Play Fantasy, our website, tripplayfantasy.com. You'll see on the social media, Doc, tweet about things you don't care about and gets interaction. On the website, you'll see tons of articles, videos, podcasts. And if you want to see more Triple Play, of course, there's also the YouTube channel, which is always pumping out great new content. There's movie minutes, got fantasy 15 breakdowns. We have athlete interviews all on the channel. David doesn't realize that after when he talks for two minutes straight, you drown out the listeners. You tell them where (laughs) to go and you let them figure it out on their own. That's fair. Check out the spin rate video I posted today. It's good content. But remember, if you're looking for a podcast, that's equivalent to opening up an oyster with your bare hands and then finding the world's biggest pearl, then taking that pearl to auction to buy you a yacht. Of course, if the pearl is big enough, then you got us. We're literally the same exact thing. I'm telling you, look no further than this podcast right here because I'm telling you, it just might change your life. And we're going to jump into the Fantasy Baseball 101, what we've learned in the 2021 season with George Montanez right after this quick break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Doc, you raging out over there? What's going on? We got a green screen, Doc. Oh, who knows? This show's already off the rails, but it's all good. It's what we do here. Welcome into another live Triple Play Fantasy Baseball show on a Thursday. This is how we do. We like to be part of your thirsty thirsty Thursdays. I guess the kids still call them that. Uh, D-Many coming right back at you live. Of course, Doc is somewhere. I don't know what's going on with his screen, but he's here. Uh, but we have a guest. I've Very never looked out. better. <laughs> You're insulting <laughs> yourself. I love it. Uh, but we have a very special guest joining the show tonight. We welcome in a man. No, we welcome in a giant, both in the fantasy baseball space and his favorite baseball team. He's a fantasy baseball writer for NBC Sports Edge, and we squat up together at Fantrax. He also co-hosts the Bases Loaded podcast and Roted, Roto-Rank's fantasy baseball podcast while tweeting out the golden and crispy nuggets of information on Twitter that you crave. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for a father, a husband, and Ian Hap Homer. George Montanez, how's it going, man? What's up, man? Thank you for that intro. That was awesome. Uh, thanks for inviting me, man. I'm glad to be here talking baseball with you guys. Yeah, 
I was big on Ian Happ, much to my detriment so far this season, but uh, hey, well, ho- hoping he gets it turned around. We'll see. <laughs> hey, to be fair, I like Ian Happ a lot too. I wrote him up in the offseason. The same reasons you were talking about with the eye, the, the ball hitting the eye and his numbers plummeting. Um, yeah. That, the reason I put that is that was the only one I remembered at the top of my head that you really liked. So I'm sure there's definitely a lot of other ones that have been hitting, uh, but it's all good. Um, Doc will apparently be joining us again shortly, so we're going to two-man show it until he gets back in here. But before we dive into the fantasy baseball content we've got planned for today, you're doing a lot of stuff, man. NBC Sports Edge, fan tracks, co-hosting two podcasts. How do you find the time to balance everything out? And what's it like doing the NBC Sports Edge gig? Because uh, that's all, like it's, you know, incredibly awesome that you're doing that gig and that you're able to work for them. Yeah, that was uh, an incredible opportunity that came along. And, um, you know, that's, that's really kept me busy uh, for the most part. You know, I'm, uh, I'm still working over there with, uh, with you guys on fan tracks and stuff, but, you know, I haven't been as active there. Uh, you know, Mike and I haven't been able to you know, get together to record in a bit uh, over at Bases Loaded. So, you know, I've been pretty busy with uh, NBC Sports Edge, with, which has been just amazing. Uh, but, yeah, you just, you have to find a balance, right? It's just important to uh, balance when you have kids, um, you know, when I have a fiance. And so when you're a writer, you have a full-time job and you've got kids, you know, it's it's important to, uh, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, that you, you know, family also takes precedence and stuff and your mental health, because it's easy to get burnt out. It's easy to, you know, overload and, and um, you know, fizzle out pretty quickly. Uh, if you don't, you know, take take care of yourself and take some time to, um, yeah, for those things that, that are important. And I think people see, yeah, they see that you're tweeting out stats. They see that uh, you're making content, you're making articles. But it, like you said, it's really hard to balance that out because you want to make sure you dedicate a lot of time for your family, for your regular job too, because most of us aren't in this industry full time. And then to be able to give the content out that you're able to give out. Uh, it's, it's a lot, man. And again, you're demonstrating, you know, kind of what I think a lot of us are trying to do and be able to balance everything out really well. And, um, again, with the fact with kids too, it's, it's, I don't even have kids, but I, so I can't even imagine trying to, to do what you're doing, but you're doing such a great job of it. And it's inspiring for all of us to be able, you know, I see you tweeting out stats and, and, uh, you know, being able to write for multiple sites. And I was like, Hey man, if you can make the time for it, so can I. So props to everything that you're doing. I appreciate that. Uh, but Doc, why, Doc, are you there with us? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're just gonna keep your camera off. We'll just we're gonna just ride you as a a black screen with the icon. Okay. I, yeah, I, this is embarrassing. I don't know why. This is what happens okay. when you try to use work equipment. Like you said, you never looked better. So we're just gonna keep you uh, the camera off for right now. We've got a fun topic planned for today. We got fantasy baseball 101. What we've learned in 2021. So we've seen injuries at an all time high. Substance abuse scandals taking precedence over gameplay. A player until his most recent start had been pitching to a sub three ERA and leading the league in home runs in the same season. And it's been basically everything you can imagine to say the least. We're basically at the halfway point now. So we got to figure out what we've learned so far. So we're going to reflect, look back at how maybe we'll draft next year, trends that we're going to look into maybe in the offseason, players that you might be buying into more now that you weren't before. We're looking at our three biggest lessons that if we were to write a 101 book, are going to headline it. Or uh, what is it, the, like the book for dummies or whatever, the yellow book, when people read like how-to things. So kind of like that. So let's start off with the first number one here. George, what was the first lesson that you learned so far in this 2021 season? Yeah, so the first one, I'm going to go with just my most obvious one, and uh, that's going to be... Man, those those top closers are are just so important this year. Uh, you know, coming into the year, and it's it's been trending this way for a while. But it's like, you know, even the 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 MLB teams right now, if they don't have one of those top guys, it's like, you know, there could be three, four guys uh, in any given night that can go out and and close games, and you just don't know who it's going to be. And uh, you know, if you you know maybe you've gotten lucky uh, with uh, Mark Melanson or uh, an Alex Reyes, but you know, outside of maybe maybe a handful of, of, of those late uh, late round relievers. I mean, uh, th- those top guys are really proving uh, their worth right now with uh, Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader. Uh, I don't know, uh, Rolds Chapman's been kind of scuffling lately, but, mm-hmm. you know, he had been pretty much lights out for the first like, two and a half months. 
uh, Rysel Iglesias has really been locking it down, you know, so it's really those top guys uh, that I think next year you're going to just see those uh, prices like they're really going to get locked down, though, uh, you know, uh, in the early rounds uh, just because of how important those saves are going to be. I know that my teams that, you know, I'm struggling a bit. It's because, you know, I don't have one of those top closers and it's just been such a struggle to uh, to find those saves on the waiver wire, you know, you timing, timing it right, you know, picking up the right guys at the right time. Uh, so yeah, I think that's been, you know, the most obvious for me, uh, lesson. And, you know, I, I cover the, uh, I, I do the bullpen, uh, depth charts and stuff, uh, over on, uh, NBC Sports Edge Plus. And, uh, it has been, uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's been a headache. <laughs> it has been a while just trying to follow, uh, each and every team and, you know, where the saves are going to come from. So. Yeah, I think uh, number one is going to be locking down those one of those top closers. How do you feel about because I remember before the season began, we were hearing like the Padres bullpen comes to mind. It's like, oh, Drew Pomerantz or no, it's Emilio Pagan. I remember Emilio Pagan was one of those guys that uh, I think people were really trying to grab. And then it ends up being somebody completely different. And Mark Melanson uh, that the Cleveland bullpen. They were, I remember Nick Whitgren. <laughs> That's a name yeah. that nobody talks about. <laughs> he was the, the supposed closer. Has that tied into being like, hey, that makes me even more so want to get these top notch guys because once we get to the end of draft season, all these names are going to be floated around. But in all honesty, we don't know in these crazy bullpens who's going to be the guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, how much fab were, you know, Jordan Romano and Julian Merriweather going for early mm-hmm. on, you know, in the first few weeks? It, it's just crazy, man. Um, you know, I, I drafted a lot of like Joaquin Soria thinking, okay, Arizona signed him to be the guy. He hasn't had a save yet. And I mean, some of that is because Arizona has just been complete trash, but, um, th- these, these situations, yeah, these, it, it's, it's tough. It's been really tough. Yeah. I think just, um, yeah, it's been really important to have one of those top guys. How do you feel about guys like Craig Kimbrell, who, and Alex Reyes, I guess, to an extent, these guys that, Seemed like they were on, you know, teams that they are pretty much, I guess not as much Alex Race, more just the Craig Kimbrell, the one that comes to mind of somebody that you know is getting money and you know is going to be the closer. Guys like that, are you going to be interested in investing in next season as well? Guys that don't have much competition or guys that are getting paid to be a closer and you're like, hey, I'm just going to draft them later on because it looks like unless they completely just blow up, they're going to be guaranteed some saves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see, uh, you named a couple of examples there. You look at like someone like Kenley Jansen has been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretty reliable this year, even though, you know, all the signs were pointing towards him, you know, uh, starting to fall off a bit. And, um, you know, Brad Hand is another one. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the Washington had obviously signed him to be the closer. Uh, and he's, you know, he's gotten some saves there. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that's another factor to just to, you know, that can help you identify, you know, which, which of the, of those guys to target. I like it. It's a lot of closers talk to get this show started. I'm all for it. Doc, what's your first lesson you've learned? So it's funny because it's actually closers, but it's the opposite point that George said. And besides those top guys, I said, don't chase saves. Like, yeah, the Josh haters, the Liam Hendricks, those are going to go at a premium. There's probably three or four of those guys. But Mark Melanson leads them. I'll be with 25 saves. I mean, you brought up everybody. I was going to say Kimbrell has 20. Alex Reyes has 20. Uh, someone like Will Smith was a late round pick. Yimi Garcia took over for Anthony Bass. Um, and especially chasing in fab, we saw Julian Merriweather go for astronomical amounts and he hasn't even gotten a save since then. So I think if you're looking for saves, you know, place it on speculative eighth inning guys, you know, do a lot of dart throws later. If you don't get one of those top guys, I'm not a fan as much as trying to chase them in the middle rounds for people that don't have, you know, that clear closer role. Okay, that's fair. I I like it. I think my first one, my first lesson is to not listen to too many voices. And I've heard this brought up on other podcasts by other people too, is and it applies to me for Kevin Gosman, who I was very much in on the beginning of draft season. And then you start listening to people that are 20 times smarter than myself. And you hear them say, no, you know, the splitter, you can't trust the splitter. It's not a consistent pitch or, you know, that, oh, can he replicate it for a full season? He never uses his splitter until the halfway point. So he's going to be garbage in the first half. Uh, if you really believe in somebody, you got to take them. 
you got to do it. You can't listen to people around. You can't be like, if they're saying stay away from him, it doesn't mean you should stay away from a player like that. And I found myself doing that with a player like him. Um, not as much with necessarily all other guys, but he was the first one that came to mind. I don't have as much, nearly as much of him as I did early on in draft season. And I kind of regret that. So I think make sure you stick with your gut. Make sure you don't just take the opinions of everybody else around you and you, uh, you draft how you want to draft. So if you go down, you're going down with the guys that you wanted on your team. So I think that's the first rule uh, with the, the success of some guys that you've seen so far. George, what about you, man? What's your second one? Uh, I think you bring up a really good point. That was actually going to be one of mine too, is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of find your process, find a process that works for you. That comes in both the draft and in season management. You know, like you said, there's a lot of voices out there and it's really easy to talk yourself out of making a move, talk yourself out of drafting a player that you had liked, um, you know, it, and there's, there's so much information out there. You know, fantasy baseball has grown tremendously. You have a lot of new voices in the industry, a lot of people doing you know, tremendous research, a lot of smart people, but sometimes it could definitely be overload. You know, you can overload with information and, uh, you know, then find yourself without any conviction in, you know, the moves that you want to make or the players that you liked. And sometimes you just got to find your process and, um, and trust it, go with your gut. You know, I've talked myself out of a lot of players that, you know, I kicked myself like, man, I knew I should have gotten that guy, but you know, I, I listened to too many voices or I, I read too much, you know, information. And uh, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to, cause I mean, with all the information that's out there, you can almost make an argument for, you know, a lot of guys. Um, so, I mean, you know, find the stats that, that you like, find, you know, like personally, I, I like to look at like, you know, if I could pick just a few, a few things that, you know, have worked for me over the last couple of years is like, looking at um, batted ball trends like ground ball rates and uh, line drive and fly balls um, along with uh, in zone contact rate, um, chase rate and hard hit rate. Like if you just look at those things, um, you know, I think it could take you a long way. It it has for me. And so, um, you know, finding, and and if you do listen to a podcast or you read articles and stuff, maybe there's a, a, you know, maybe a group of um, analysts that you, you know, particularly like or follow or trust. And so, you know, I think it's just, yeah, be, be careful with, um, you know, overloading yourself with too much information and uh, find your process and go with your gut. Couldn't have said it any better. Again, the process, whatever. So B, make sure you stick to it. And it doesn't always work bad too, because there are certain guys that people are really in on that they're sticking their names to that you're, you, you know, you be, you become a, kind of connected to or you want to make sure you draft and one guy that comes to mind Vlad came on this show and he's come on others he talked about Carlos Correa and I actually grabbed him specifically because of Vlad saying that and he's the number one ranked shortstop in points leagues right now uh so he's I mean he's been awesome he's been healthy too knock on wood so like uh you know again if, if people are coming you don't necessarily have to listen to everybody but you know someone like Vlad or you know Eno is always a, a good source to go to usually he has good pitching stuff with his metric um, you know, find those sources that you trust and then go to them and then obviously stick with your processes, just like George outlined there. Doc, what's your second 101 point? You know, it's funny is you talk about we have an all time high of injuries and someone like Carlos Correa has stayed healthy. Just think that's <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. Kind of funny. You know, it's funny. It's like you guys are reading my notes because my second point was go with your guy. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of information out there. But I think everybody that plays TGFBI or does fantasy baseball has watched it in the past. I don't think you suddenly decide, oh, I want to pick it up and and do this. And especially in the TGFBI where it's a 15-team draft, don't try to get cute, wait one round. If you really like someone, regardless of the rankings, go for it. And I look back at myself, some of the mistakes I've made. I was really big on Zach Wheeler this year, and unfortunately, I got him in a couple other leagues. But I was like, okay, well... Zach Plesak has fallen. Maybe I can nab Wheeler, you know, the next round. I had the 10th pick. I take Plesak. Wheeler goes two picks after me. And the difference has been night and day. Another guy, Nolan Arenado, a lot of people were really down on. They said, look, he's leaving cores. His uh, X stats last year looked bad. I've been a fan of his for a while. And I, I think it, a lot of it was due to his shoulder injury. And yeah, he's not going to get you any steals, but he has a decent batting average, decent pop. We'll drive in some runs. So if you really like someone, go and get them because you're going to have more regret if you passed up on them and they have a good year. 
So we're talking about injuries. I, since it's kind of rehashing the same point, I want to talk about something similar with injuries. George, how do you feel about the depth with injuries? And one guy that comes to mind is Randall Gritchick, who people faded at the end of draft season because they didn't think he'd have a spot. They were like, all right, he's not going to be in the starting outfield mix for them. So he's getting bumped down, you know, three, four rounds, whatever it is. Um, have your thought changed as far as, hey, you know what? If a player can play, even if they're on the outside looking in right now, I'm going to draft them. Someone like a, you look at the Padres with Jake Cronenworth, another guy that looked like he was going to get hit with that, uh, the lack of playing time and his draft stock slipped. Has that changed at all for you going into next season? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, absolutely. And those are two really good examples there. I mean, um, you know, just talking about the depth uh, of hitting in general, I've found that, um, yeah, a lot of my teams that like I'm falling a little bit behind in, it's because I don't have enough hitting. And, um, you know, some of it is the injuries. Some of it is, you know, this is a, has been like a really weird season. You know, we're coming off of a short in 2020. And then it's almost like, you know, starting the beginning of June, um, it's like a whole new season because we had, you know, the crackdown with the foreign substances. And so, you know, first two months of the season, we see, you know, pitching is just incredible, right? We see, uh, you know, record low batting average uh, across the league. Um, and so this last year during draft season, I, I was heavy on pitching early. And the thing is, like, problem i don't have enough hitting now you know whether it's because of injuries um or guys just that i had taken later you know like an ian hap just aren't working out but i hit on the freddie peraltas the Tarek scoobals the yusei kikuchis and so it's like okay now i have all this pitching um and yeah you're not seeing you're not seeing the depth uh, of hitting um at like as far as what I could tell you can't you're not seeing the same depth like you can't just go pick up a guy off the waiver wire and so the where I'm hurting is yeah not having the versatility which um uh, you know I'm definitely going to be looking at guys especially in those deeper leagues like uh Doc mentioned TGFBI like 15 team leagues like I'm going to be looking at the guys with multi uh position eligibility just cuz I mean even if they're not as skilled as someone you you know would have taken it's better than taking a zero because there's no one else on the waiver wire. If you have a guy like um, a Max Muncy or um, Jay Cronenworth, I mean, man, that's such a good example because it's like uh, the, the skills as far as these hitters go, I mean, they're going to find the bats. They're going to find the playing mm -hmm. time. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just been one of those observations. Like now we're seeing, you know, the, with the spin rates down, we're seeing strikeouts down now, offense starting to pick back up. So I mean, we still have, you know, another, you know, we're halfway through the season. We have another three months. We'll see how the environment looks, you know, over these next three months. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy because it just seems like it's almost two different seasons at this point. June is back up. Obviously, it's been the best hitting month so far of the season. But I think before June, the league-wide batting average was in the 220s. And now it's it's back up closer, I think, to like 240. So it's it's definitely starting to normalize a little bit with the spin rate stuff that's been going on. I know this is kind of a, a side topic, but I am curious since it applies to potentially for draft season next year, George, and then I'll ask you, Doc, do you think, and George, I, I think if you're talking about going pitching heavy in the early part, so do I, that's what I like to do as well. I like to go pocket aces in a lot of drafts. If this is something that sticks for the rest of the season, are you going to consider changing your draft strategy to potentially pick up more early season hitting or early draft hitting? Well, I think it's just going to be more important to, um, well, who, who knows? I think maybe those top pitchers might even be more important because those middle tier, later tier guys, um, you know, I've been, I was fortunate to hit on the later guys, but there's, uh, you know, uh, I, I think we're going to definitely see some regression going forward in those middle to, to later uh, round pitchers. And, uh, you know, maybe those aces do separate themselves and, you know, it, it is more important next year. Um, 
So it's just tough right now. It's so tough with just how the environment's changing. Uh, it, it's tough to really know. I mean, yeah, we could we could just see those aces separate themselves, and uh, yeah, you could see me go in pocket aces like you again next year. <laughs> Not good about you. I I feel like I never see you go pocket aces. You always I I feel like get like one pitcher, one hitter is the way I usually see you draft. Is that how you're going next year? Uh, can I wait because that ties into my third point? <laughs> oh my god, are you kidding me? I you literally read my you. notes. I swear. <laughs> I should probably just ask you to send me your notes. Um, George, let's go back to you for your third point. What is the third lesson that you feel like you've learned for the 2021 season going forward? Yeah, I think uh, the third one for me is just to be careful with small samples. You know, this last uh, offseason was so hard to really evaluate the performances of, of 2020. And uh, you just you got to be careful with with small samples, um, you know, maybe trust the track record a little bit more. Um, you know, last year we saw, uh, you know, someone like Nick Castellanos over uh, 242 plate appearances. He hit 225. Uh, and, uh, you know, in that same time, you know, uh, DJ LeMahieu was the batting champion at, at 364. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they had reached about the same number of plate appearances as they had last year. And you saw a complete 180. You saw Nick Castellanos uh, hitting, you know, at, at that time he was hitting 355 and uh, DJ was down to 251. So it's just, yeah, you just got to be careful with uh, small samples. Um, you know, maybe... Uh, I'm going to take into account, you know, track record a little bit more. And, and these are all just little things that, that, you know, which e with each and every year, you just pick up on little by little, you learn, you know, mm -hmm. um, personally, like I've only been playing fantasy baseball for about like five years. And yeah, I mean, every year I, I learn just a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I think one of the big things is just, you know, be careful with these, with, uh, when you get a small sample, um, when you evaluate, you know, a player. George, I didn't know we were newbies together in this. I think yeah. one of we've been playing too. That's that's actually pretty awesome. Do you are you a points league guy or a roto guy? You know, I started off uh, points league. Uh, I'm still, you know, it was one of my coworkers got me into it. You know, he invited me to uh, his league. It was a points league. It, I'm still in that league, and uh, it's my favorite league. I love it. But um, I've definitely, you know, the more leagues I play in in the industry, I found myself, you know, liking the roto style for sure. Yeah, I think also with Roto, it's a little easier. Uh, I like having to be like, I need this category. I want to get this player. I need this category. I want to get this. I, I kind of like that aspect as well. And they do say mm -hmm. they're like, hey, the more you get around the game, the more you're going to realize Roto is is the better format. So I, I'm mm -hmm. definitely I'm, I'm with you on that. Doc, how are you doing, man? You want to give us your third? Yeah. So for me, it's uh, looking at pitchers. What did MLB implement the rule? June 16th? That's when it, the 10 game suspension started being implemented, but they were kind of looking a little bit prior to that. Okay. So around June 10th, seeing how pitchers do, have done after that. And I'm looking at people like Carlos Rodon, John Means, if he was healthy, all these pitchers that we saw have career years like Rodon. We've literally been snake bitten by multiple times. And then it's like this year, nobody has him. And this is when he throws, you know, almost a perfect game. And. Is he having a resurgent year or was a substance or spider tack part of that? So I think looking at the splits before that date and after that date to see who might have benefited. Now, I'm not accusing anyone of doing that, but I think we've seen a lot of pitchers that haven't been in that star tier or shown that but that upside we've seen. I mean, we saw like, what, seven no hitters in the first two months. So just seeing how pitchers have done prior to that date and then the rest of the ones. Obviously not the stars, but the ones that might have their ADP pushed up a lot next year based on one good year they've had that has been an outlier. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, I know we're looking kind of reflecting now, but that will probably be something we look at. And there's pitchers that have already shown huge drops, like the Trevor Bowers, the Garrett Coles, guys that uh, you see their strike, like George mentioned, strikeout rates are going down. They're walking more guys. And We've got three more months left of the season. We'll be able to kind of look back and see how they performed after that point. And if they didn't kind of uh, go back to what they were doing prior, then we have to kind of, I think, use that data for next year, assuming that they'll probably still be testing going forward. So that's a good point. The next one I wanted to bring up, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts. And Doc, I'll come back to you first to hear your thoughts. And then George, 
how do you guys feel about prospects as far as spending fab for prospects? Because I feel like that's a big lesson I learned this year. Uh, you know, you Not have obviously it. like the Wander Francos, of course, the Jared Kelnicks, and obviously in dynasty leagues, these guys, of course, you know, they're, they're incredibly value. You're going to hold on to them. But in these redraft leagues, uh, it's different. And, you know, you, they might not necessarily hit this year, but people are stashing them and people are spending tons of fab on them. You know, uh, I've, I've heard plenty of people talk about there should be a new thing where the moment the prospect gets called up, you should be trading them in any type of trade league immediately because they probably right. won't reach anything past that value. Uh, Doc, or after feel- they do. Like Wander Franco. Well, someone like Jared Kelnick had his second game be his yeah. monster game, right? You have, to, you have to sell them right away. So that's that's something that's been floating around a lot more this season is in redraft leagues, the moment these Uber prospects come up, sell them the day they get called up because at that point, they're not going to have more value and you get as much as you can get. Doc, is that something you like to do going forward? How do you feel about using a bunch of fab on prospects or using waivers or stashing. How has that uh, process been for you this year? So I think you hit the nail on the head in redraft league. You have to get rid of them when they're called up or after they have their first good game because you're never going to get any value that's higher than that. Like, Just think about it from the media perspective. Like When Wander Franco is called up, you know, dominates the headlines, your average fantasy baseball player might say, oh, wow, this guy's going to be really good, not realizing that prospects go through a learning curve. I'm not really going to do it in TGFBI just because with like with someone like Kelnick, there's a chance they get demoted now, now that there's a full 162-game season. You're spending fab. It's very speculative. I don't mind drafting them. I, I took Kirloff in a couple leagues earlier this year, but I'm not willing to spend a good amount of fab for someone that's a prospect. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something you have to wrestle with. I've been pretty conservative with fab. And then I spent uh, about a third of my money on Alec Manoa because I wanted another legit starter and I missed out on a few others. And I said, I want another ace to the staff with how good he looked. Uh, and I had a lot of good pitching already, but I was pretty convinced that he was going to be someone that I could start every week and not be a problem. Spent a lot of money on him. Definitely not the Julian Merriweather type of money, but um, it's definitely a learning experience in that sense. George, how do you feel about the whole prospect process here? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think just about everybody out there can say that they've uh, been burned by a prospect so far this season. And, you know, I don't know if it's maybe just a, uh, you know, product of, you know, these kids not playing a professional game for over a year. You know, they, they didn't, they didn't get any games in 2020. And so now we're just seeing a bigger, you know, a wider gap, uh, in the talent and, they they do need that time in the minor leagues. I think that's that's what you know uh, they've shown so far this season. You're not, you you know a few years ago I I picked up a Juan Soto off the off the waiver wire and and you know he was a league winner. Uh, mm-hmm. The year before that it was uh, Cody Bellinger and he was a league winner. Um, but you're not seeing that. You're not seeing that this year. And I think uh, a lot of that has to do with just the the time missed from 2020. Maybe it's going to take maybe it's going to take you know another two or three years before we see that um, again things get back to that level but yeah i think definitely if you have those top prospects that come up and you're in a dynasty league or redraft like that's the best time to sell if you're going for it and uh yeah i mean we'll see if if there's any impact uh prospects going forward uh for for this season but yeah it's just so hard so hard to tell right now and uh, i think i just think the best bet is you know just to wait on these guys going forward because yeah i mean there are spots where i took jared kelenic and you know I would have been better off in those same spots uh, taking uh, Randall Gritchick, who you mentioned earlier. You know, he showed, you know, uh, some skill growth last year, and he ca- he's carried that over this year in the middle of a really solid Toronto lineup. So, you know, maybe don't get so caught up in that, you know, prospect hype and, and on the upside and maybe take someone else that you can trust or, um, you know, one of those veterans. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Um, and then you see guys like Matt Manning who come in and I think I saw somewhere he was started in like 85% of main events and had gave up nine earned runs in his most recent start. I think people want these prospects to hit, but in the reality you see like the Casey Mises, Tariq Skubles who are starting to get better, but it's, they've had a kind of a, a season or so ish of kind of getting used to the big leagues and, and the hitters obviously start out really well sometimes in the beginning, but then when pitchers adjust, 
they have a moment where they need to, you know, however long it be a month, two months before they start readjusting. So, um, it's kind of tough in these redraft leagues with these prospects. And I think we're seeing that also with the lost season last year that they didn't get a chance to play. I think that's also impacting the prospect development as well. And that could be something going forward that we'll see the ripple effects for the next few years. So it's something definitely to keep an eye on, I think, going forward for prospects. Uh, the last point I wanted to bring up here before we move to the, the, fun ex- the fun part of the show I think everybody loves to do is how do you feel about, George, about picking guys for certain categories? Like, so an uh, example, drafting Miles Straw for steals or drafting, uh, you know, whoever for steals, drafting a certain guy like uh, for power, you, you're banking on for one category and you're having to use a, a draft pick on these guys. And if they're not doing that one category, you're missing out on potentially other guys. Do you, do you think that you might stray away from picking guys for one category next year? Or is that something you think going forward that maybe just some guys haven't hit as well this year? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I typically don't mind going that route. It just depends. Um, and I think it's just a lot of it has to do with adjusting in, in the draft. Um, you know, being someone who was going heavy, uh, on pitching early, you know, I have, I have the Joey Gallows. I have the guys who are, um, you know, I was looking at like the Alex Verdugo and then getting Joey Gallo, um, guys who you think like, you know, you can maybe take for, you know, one or two particular categories. So I, I don't really mind it as much. I, preferably you want i mean everybody wants the five category guys everybody wants the guys who could produce across the board but sometimes uh you have to adjust and it doesn't work out that way so i mean yeah it's just about taking the right guys i guess it yeah <laughs> right so like again i'm thinking of you know the the mile straws for steals i'm thinking of someone like an Luis arise for the twins you basically took on just for average um mm-hmm. those guys that you're like, hey, I'm expecting one category from you. Anything else is gravy type of thing. Doc, do you try to take those guys at the end of your drafts if you need? If you're like, I'm lacking in this. I'm going to try to take this guy for this. Or yeah. do you not worry about that and let it play out? I I think when you're doing your draft that you have to, you can't just punt one category to the end. But you also can't take someone in the early rounds just because they'll dominate. And I'm thinking like an Adalberto Mondesi that you're going to take just because he'll get steals. Because yeah. if he has a poor average and he's not getting on base, that's less chances for him to do steals. So it's something where a category like that, you're dependent on something else. But for example, this year, I took Cedric Mullins in the later rounds because, or Cedric Mullins and Jonathan VR, because I felt like I had really punted on steals. And mm-hmm. Cedric Mullins has ended up getting steals, but he's also now contributed to other categories. So I don't think that's a, a bad strategy, but it's something I wouldn't spend my early round picks doing. Just because I think it's very hard to waste an early pick banking on one category when you can get an impactful player that can help you in multiple. All right. I like it. I think that's some good in-season discussion. Obviously, a lot of lessons we can look at for next year, of course, when we draft and looking at players and trends. And who knows, that could be completely different come the end of the 2021 season because it has been a doozy. But let's go ahead and let's get to the next part of the show. And that's going to be our question of the week. George, what kind of music you like? What what's what uh what like you like to bless your ears with? I like everything, man. I like all kinds of music. Um, yeah, I was, I mean, on my way home from work today, I was listening to some seventies rock. Um, yesterday on my way home, I was listening to some Dr. Dre and nineties uh, rap. So, I mean, I like everything. <laughs> what about jazz? Are you a jazz guy? Um, you know. I, uh-oh, I, found I one. don't. It's not. It's not something I would typically just you know look for. But yeah, I I don't mind it. it I like good music. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? We speak the same language because I'm not dedicated to one either. It's like the certain time of the day you want to hear a certain type of music. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get that, Doc. I think you're you're more of a. I don't even know what, what music do you listen to. Give me anything with a good beat: rap, hip hop, jazz, rock, anything but country. Okay. Oh, there you go. So no country for you. All right. Well, our question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. Use promo code Triple Play and get up to $50 of your deposit match when you become a new user and you use our code. And if you're looking to win some cash, make sure you follow the Triple Play Monkey Knife Fight shows 
usually on Sundays or once a month on Sundays. Apparently, never Doc and Brad get to them. They give you hey, a 10 to 15 let minute. Me, let, let me get a place to live first and I'll start doing them. Again. There you go. Uh, right now, you're living in the dark, it looks like. But uh, they give you a 10 to 15 minute look at the gaming landscape to give you their locks to help you win big. So, Doc, you came up with a good question this week. I actually really liked this one. Which current baseball player would you like to be an analyst once they retire? So, George, you're the guest. You can start us off. Who's that player? Oh, man. There's a few guys that come to mind. Um, but uh, I think the one active player I, I would go with is um, I'd go with Mookie. Mookie Betts. Just oh, I, I, wow. I think... Way to take mine. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Everything is just getting stolen from me today. Hey, Eric, is this you right now, Eric? <laughs> Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> oh, man. That's hilarious. I mean... The, the guy is just so much fun. He has a lot of fun on the field. He's he uh, And he's just good at everything. It just seems like he's one of those guys that's just going to be good at everything. You're literally uh, stealing I, my reasoning, too. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he he yeah. wears the mic in the outfield a lot, too, and you can kind of hear it. I feel like he's always one of those guys that's mic'd up in spring training. Yeah, he, he, he just has a lot of enthusiasm. He's a fun-loving guy like... George said he's good at everything, fielding, batting. He's a five-tool player. He can bowl. He's bowled a 300 before. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. You, George, you said you had a couple guys on your list? Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's not active anymore, but um, being a Giants fan and um, watching uh, Hunter Pence over the years, like, the guy is just has so much energy. He's so fun. Uh, you know, during the 2012 World Series run, he was giving those uh, pep talks before every game uh, in the NLCS, and they they were calling him the Reverend uh, because of uh, his his pregame speeches. So, yeah, uh, Hunter Pence, and he does a lot of stuff on YouTube with his wife, and he's he's just a really cool guy. I think uh, Hunter Pence would make a pretty cool uh, TV uh, personality. The best All thing right, about right. Hunter Pence was those signs people made, like Hunter Pence can't parallel park. Yeah, Hunter Pence gives <laughs> out raises that. for Halloween. Oh, it was great. I totally, that went over my head. I never saw that. Um, if you're speaking of Giants, Brian Wilson, that's a name for a while. And I thought he could have been a personality. Yeah. He just like disappeared. <laughs> um, he did. He, he was he was a character. <laughs> Doc, do you have another one or do you want me to try to think of one for you? Uh, you go and then I'll go after you. I'm still in shock. <laughs> So <laughs> bad timing. I was going to say his name before what's happened the last few days, but I would have loved to hear Trevor Bauer on a mic. Uh, obviously, we'll see what everything plays out with the legal process, but uh, with at least for right now, I, I just can't imagine the stuff. He, I feel like he would be the person to to say things that most player or most people on on media and TV don't like to say, so or don't want to say. Like he'd be, you know, doing a, a broadcast on like a, a John Boy type of media thing, but he would be like, oh, like. Like oh they're they're throwing a, they're throwing a, they're definitely throwing a, a slider here like I'll I'll eat my my shit if they don't throw a slider or like you know something like that like I, I feel like he would do or oh I, I thought of one oh, go ahead Andrew McCutcheon now I know I trash him in our points league he has a <laughs> lot of personality I think he would be such a great commentator and give you some humor as well he seems that's like a, a really good one. Yeah, he seems like a pretty smart, well-spoken guy. So I, I think that's a, a good call. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody. Like I liked when Dallas Brayton was on, but now he uh, he's not with ESPN anymore. He was he was like that character uh, for a little while. Yeah, but, um, he does the A's broadcasts. Um, you're right. That's right. I'm yeah. sure he's over on uh, NBC uh, California doing the A's broadcast. Yeah, he's he's a good one. He's from my hometown, Stockton. Is he really? Yeah. Have you ever met him? No, I haven't. <laughs> he's he seems like an interesting dude uh it seems like a great guy obviously too there was another player that i had in mind too but he just left my head anyone um, that has a podcast cc sabathia ross stripling uh, i mean some of them have podcasts but i don't necessarily think they're like super entertaining they're they're talking but like i'm not like oh i'm listening to ross stripling like this is fantastic <laughs> listening type of thing um you know, somebody that I think would be good would be Mariano Rivera. I feel like uh, he would have good insight, too, if you put a mic on him. I feel like he knows a lot about the game, but not as much a personality. But <laughs> if you have any good ones, let us know in the comments. We are on YouTube as well. So if you hear and you 
there's someone that pops in your head that we should have mentioned, let us know in the comments. We always love reading those. But let's get to the last segment of the night, and that's going to be our game of the week. George, you know where that's from? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> I love that this is your go-to for asking people now. <laughs> have you ever heard of uh, the Super Friends? No. No, I oh. haven't. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a show from like the 70s. It's, uh, you know, like Superman. <laughs> Alright, well, your homework's to look that up once we're done. Is uh, it'll, it might ring a bell, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But all right, we'll do. <laughs> uh, Doc, you're hosting the game this week. What are we playing? All right, so we have a little over under, and I did some research. I found some very uh, interesting stats. I'm going to give you a line because I'm a betting guy, and you have to tell me over under. I have five here, and then we have a six for a tiebreaker. Sound good? All right, cool. All right, so we're going to start with David and then George. So the first one, Jacob deGrom's batting average this season prior to tonight's game, over, under, 365. I know he's hitting well. I feel like it's definitely going to be over because you're there's a reason you're putting that, so I'll, I'll say over. Okay. And George? I'm going to say under. So... It's over. He's hitting 414 oh, wow. on the season. He's nuts, dude. That, uh, he is 12 of 29 going into tonight's game. He is nuts. I should have known not to not to doubt Jacob DeGrom, man. I I couldn't believe <laughs> I couldn't believe that I I had to like look at three websites to really make sure he's hitting 414. That's incredible. <laughs> the next one, and George, we're beginning with you. Vlad Jr. home runs entering this year. Now he currently has 26. Over under 25 and a half. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say under. Okay. And David? I'm pretty confident. I stalked the hell out of his profile this offseason. So I'm pretty sure it's under because of his bad launch angle. And it is under. He had 24 home runs entering this year, and he has 26 already. Pretty wild. David has two. George has one. The next, James Paxton pitches thrown before his season was ended. (laughs) What a random one. (laughs) I told you, these are obscure. Over, under, 25 and a half. Um, I'm pretty sure it was one start. It was one start. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure you left very quickly. I mean, maybe you were sneaky in as 26 or something as like the over, but I he, he definitely I'm going to say under. Okay? And George. Yeah, I'm going to go with under too. If I remember, it was pretty early in the start. It was 24 pitches in James Paxton season ended. <laughs> the under hits. The next and George, we're beginning with you. James Karinchak's games where he has at least one walk. And I'll give you a hint. He has 36 appearances over under 16 and a half games with at least one walk. Now, I know I know he started off really well with the walks, uh, and then they started picking back up. So I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go over. Okay, and David? I want to say he's still under, even though it's picked up. Like Again, you're cherry-picking the number right where it's at, so I'll I'll say it's like 34. So are you going over or under? Isn't it, you say 35 was the... No, I said he has 36 appearances over under 16 and a half games where he has at least one walk. Oh, okay, then I'll go under, 16 and a half. It is the under. David is Yeah. 16 (laughs) games that he has a walk. I suck at betting too, so that's actually <laughs> surprising. So this is the last one, and David's already won, but we'll do it anyway. Shane Bieber's K's in his first six starts over under seventy and a half. Um, well, I know he had a record of the of ten or more K's in his first six six appearances. Um, 
I'm going to say over. I think he like going to be like barely over that, but I'll say over. And George, yeah, I'm going to go over. It's under. He had 68 oh, wow. K first six starts. Yet I think 42 or 43 in his first three, but then started to tail off a little bit by only having eight and seven. 42 or 43 in his first three. That's nuts. Yeah. <sighs> Forgot that there's like a tail of two seasons with him too. Obviously he was tailing off before he went on the IL, but man, man. Anyway, well, I'm going to give myself a <laughs> round of applause because I don't get to hear it enough on this show. Crowd loves me. No, and then hold on, wait. I, the ladies too. The ladies too. Yeah, there we go. They love it. All right, you can stop, girl. You can stop. You can stop. Okay. Uh, but George, man, want to thank you so much for coming on the pod tonight. It was really fun to get to talk to you. Had a, a blast just talking some fantasy baseball and just shooting the breeze with you. Uh, want to go ahead and plug. Anything that you do, all the work, the great writing, where you can be found on Twitter and all that good stuff? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This was a ton of fun. I love what you guys are doing here. You guys are awesome. Uh, had a blast. Uh, yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. Uh, I do have most of my writing over on NBC Sports Edge. Uh, also at Fantrax and uh, Bases Loaded Pot. I love it. Again, great follow if you're not already. Did you hit the 4,000 mark today? I did. I just hit the 4,000 mark yeah. today. So. Oh, wait, wait, yeah. <laughs> wait a second. Where's my button? Where's my button? There we go. The crowd loves it. Much deserved. Much deserved. We're using it, Thank David. <laughs> Again, a, a great follow, great guy on Twitter. Make sure you're following him and all the great stuff he does. And we appreciate the audience for engaging in triple play fantasy, whether you watch on YouTube you listen to the podcast. We truly appreciate it. Next week, we're going to be joined by Josh St. Marie of the SP Streamer uh, website, SP Streamer podcast. He's on there sometimes. He's just a great overall dude and apparently a great dancer. I don't know if you guys saw him uh, dance moves he was putting out there a few days ago. Uh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> putting like that. Absolute shame. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's going to be coming on the show. It's going to be a super fun time. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But until then, everyone stay safe out there. Enjoy another great week of baseball. And we're going to make like a bread truck and haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.